You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Here we are. We are The Quest for 100, and today we are talking March Madness. Hello, Brian. Hey, Justin. How's it going? I'm not sure what that sound was supposed to be. What do you mean what sound that was supposed to be? That's the intro to CBS. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. I really? Uh, Everyone else that's listening got it. Uh, Sure. Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident of that. Sure. Well, well, we, we are here in... in we're making history today. We're, yeah. we're doing something we have never done before. Yeah. Which is quarantine qu- podcasting. Yeah. The quarantine quest. <laughs> yes. Quarantine quest. Yeah. It's uh, so, so for those listening in, uh, this is not typical as you might guess, but uh, we are, or each call we're just calling each other and we're going to have a conversation. We'll have no social cues, which we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but we're here for you guys because, you know, it's it's a crazy time. And I think we both think that, you know, we can provide a little bit of a distraction to everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and also, I think I think a little context needs to be given since because of since last time. The main reason I think we are, are quarantining ourselves and social distancing is because I just got back from a trip from New Zealand. Right. So I've been exposed to a lot of different people over the last few weeks. And I mean, we felt like it wasn't the right thing to do to both of us to get back together. And and although we can somewhat social distance, uh, you know, we have cords that are a little bit longer than six feet. Uh, <laughs> sure. I, I think it's safer this way to, to just not even risk it in this time that we're we're living in so yeah i and i think too i mean we're we are the culture we have and where we are in society like it's relatively easy to stay in touch with people i mean i i just kind of hung out with some friends for like 30 minutes just drinking some some beer and and uh saying happy birthday kind of thing but doing it all digitally yeah um this is a new world we're in i think if this was, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, it would be much tougher. But luckily, we're still able to do most of the things that we love, even though it's a little bit inconvenient to most people. Yeah, it, it is an interesting time right now. Having come back from New Zealand actually yesterday, I found it fascinating how few people are actually in airports right now. Oh, yeah? There's nobody there. I mean, I I, um. I literally was on a flight with maybe... 20 people was probably wow like a, a close estimate may, maybe even a little bit generous so it, it was empty yeah. i'm sure the uh to get through customs and all that other stuff is relatively easy did you have to oh, go yeah. through any of the any of the extra quarantine stuff i didn't or- no because i was coming back from new zealand they didn't they didn't have anything extra with my flight although i did hear a couple other flights coming into the same airport were experiencing that. Uh, I think okay. because of where I was coming from. I mean, New Zealand was really one of the first countries to enact the 
uh, 14-day quarantine for all travelers who were arriving, and that was fortunately right after I arrived, uh, like <laughs> two days afterwards. Uh, otherwise, yeah. I think I would have just turned right back around. But um, yeah. it, it, it made it very interesting in the country because – they're pretty much based off of tourism or at least the places that I was going were based off of tourism and it was just completely empty. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine there's a, there's just so much you read every day about all this stuff. And, and while this podcast is not about that, but, uh, but it will come up from time to time cause we're all living through this. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's um, why, that's why Justin's audio, you know, is a little bit worse than normal is cause it's through the phone <laughs> It's yeah. not. It's not like he's under the weather or anything like that. Nope. It's, it's just be- merely because we're doing this uh, digitally and, and over the phone. So, yep, sounds pretty exactly. good though. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I, you sound good. I don't know how it sounds to the listeners, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, but uh, well, why, we are talking today, as I mentioned, we're talking March Madness, which, as all of you probably know at this point, is has been canceled for this year. Um, Brian and I, like we said, you know, we, we originally had this idea weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, and thought it would be very relevant. And while things aren't happening this year, I think it's, it's still relevant. We both think that it's still relevant to talk about. And, and it is a, a cultural thing uh, that is maybe even more than any other year is actually worth talking about this year to, to kind of flash back and, and look at um, things over time. But um, but before we get into that, I think it's worth us. Why, why don't, Brian, why don't you tell me a little bit more about your, your trip? Because other than the annoyance of maybe some travel stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went to New Zealand. First, I actually stopped through Australia and in Australia, I spent about 12 hours in Sydney, walked around Sydney Harbor, all that kind of stuff. You know, so that was that was kind of cool. Uh, and then I went on to, let's see, uh, Wellington in New Zealand, which is the capital of, of New Zealand, which I didn't know. But uh, I have a friend who lives there. So I got to hang out with him for a day and then, you know, made my di- way down the South Island. I will tell you, I did not know New Zealand was broken up into two island- islands. Oh. I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. So I had to take a ferry, the big like cruise ship st- style ferry across, which was was super interesting, and took a, a little train down to the next city, and and ended up down in Queenstown, which is apparently like the extreme sport capital of the world. Uh, so hmm. they have like mountain biking and and bungee jumping and skydiving, which I actually did. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. So I, I jumped out of a plane. Uh, my, my big thing was that it, it was my version of social distancing, even though there was a guy <laughs> strapped to my back, but, and he was actually the one, you know, operating the parachute, but sure. you know, I, I figure I, as good a time of any to do it and the mountains and everything around, it was a pretty cool place to do it. So quite How was exhilarating. It? Were you, were you like scared to death or were you, calm? uh, you know, the worst part of it was that they don't tell you that you are actually going to end up they're like oh move to the edge of the plane and what they don't tell you is that you're actually going to end up not sitting in the plane they're going to push you out of the plane so you're sitting just outside of the plane the person you are tandem skydiving with is sitting in the plane so they are holding you outside the plane plane with all of their strength and body weight and what? everything. 
Yeah, for like I don't know, ten or fifteen seconds, and so like I was That's petrified. Terrifying. Yeah, that was because par- I didn't know if I was like I didn't want to move forward because if I put too much momentum forward, then I might like force us out of the plane before the guy was ready. And oh my gosh. yeah, so that was the worst part. Once I got Holy. going, it was fine. Like once you jump out of the plane, it's cool. But that first little bit of sitting at at the plane, not sure if he's ready to go, and not wanting to move to to actually push us out of the plane, <laughs> that's that was the worst part. I can't. I'm I'm literally picturing this happening, and I'm not even there, but you're there, and I'm terrified for you. Yeah, that yeah. Sounds- yeah, yeah I, that sounds awful. I got video. Yeah. I got video and photos. So, uh, okay. yeah, I'll have to show you sometime. Yeah, interesting. But but that was kind of my big news. Uh, what about you? What what have you been up to? Well, here in the states, uh, nothing's happening. <laughs> there really has not been anything I've been up to. Uh, I think the biggest thing is. You know, obviously we're we're here in Seattle, and and every state is doing different things. But we're at uh, it's evolved to a a ten person. You know, you can't have more than ten people together in a social setting. Well, you know, our our work has been work remotely. Uh, so my big thing is just honestly figuring out working from home. It is, yeah. You know, I've I've been I've worked from home a couple times. You know, when I might be ill or whatever. But to work consistently from home, I I just have trouble. It's 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 uh it's a challenge to figure out the balance of a work day. I mean, I find myself some days I'll take a break, and then other days I'm I'm like working at nine or ten or twelve o'clock at night because I'm like just like my whole house is my workspace now. I I don't know how people do it, but uh, I'm figuring it out, and so that's kind of been my my last couple weeks and. And trying to still stay sane by, you know, a couple calls with family and friends every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to go back to tele- telecommuting as well. So uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I kind of did that today. I've, I've read a couple articles that you, like, need to make it an environment that you're at work in, in terms of, like, almost get ready like you're going to work and, and then yep. just go someplace in your house and then, you know, take that as your time at, at that place and then once once it becomes five or six o'clock and and you're done you're done in that area of your house yeah uh, that's kind of how i i tried to treat it today i did okay but yeah it, it, it is going to be different it, it's gonna yeah be, it's interesting it's going to be interesting to see how productive people are you know doing it that way too are they more productive or are you less productive um, yep. you know, how are companies going to treat that? Because I mean, honestly, I felt a lot better than having to commute 30 minutes to 40 minutes, uh, you know, both ways. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, the commute change is, is one thing to consider. And I've just found that like, I mean, it's, it's a weird circumstance too, right? Like we have like everybody around the country is going through stuff. I'm not a local person, so I have like my family that will reach out in the middle of the day and say, Hey, how's, how are things going over there? And, and, you know, or, or might be concerned with things. So like, I'll be taking breaks I wouldn't typically take, uh, but then have to make up the time elsewhere. And yeah. so it's, it's definitely, I'd be, I'm with you. I think pe- people will be looking at this time and saying, how, how does this affect future work 
and maybe there's more flexibility to working from home if things continue to you know maintain but i think just honestly i think some people are used to it and some people are built for it and some people are just not and i've spent you know 10 years of my working career built around staying at work and turning off when i get home and uh and now i have to be on when i'm home and off when i'm home and it's really challenging Hmm. yeah all right well well we'll have to see how this goes uh after another week uh once we we record again so uh, why don't we why don't we jump into the the news Well, Justin, so, I mean, in terms of news and the March Madness news, obviously the big news is that we've, or that the NCAA has decided to cancel all of the games and, and cancel the, the NCAA tournament for 2020. The, the piece of news that I found, though, that I thought was kind of interesting, and it's kind of been a trend for a lot of these sports arenas because so many sports are, are canceled uh, because of the the coronavirus and, and what's going on throughout the world, uh, was that CBS is actually going to be airing a, a handful of the most probably notable games throughout the history of the NCAA championship, or at least since it's been televised. And they're, they're going to be airing it this weekend on CBS. So it's going to start at... Uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific or, or noon Eastern time on Saturday, the the 21st, the day that we actually are probably going to post this. Uh, they're going to be three games. So the first game is going to be the 1982 UNC versus Georgetown National Championship game. That's going to be followed by NC State versus Houston in, in 83. And then it'll cap it off with the 92 Duke versus Kentucky game. And then on Sunday, they're going to have three games again with the uh, 2008 NCAA championship with Memphis and Kansas, the championship from last year, 2019, and then the 2016 championship with Villanova and UNC. So kind of interesting, you know, I've seen this a lot of of sports shows and, and channels have been doing this. They've been, you know, re-airing old, old uh, games and stuff that are going to replace you know that that time slot that was scheduled to be a good chunk of time for live sporting events because that's always tough to fill you know and, right. and and tough to know what to do with because essentially that's six hours and, and it probably even more because of all the other networks that they were at one point expecting the NCAA tournament to be going on uh, in those time slots so yeah no, it's 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 an interesting time right now, just in general for sports and what you know the networks are doing, ESPN especially. I mean, literally, ESPN's core model is sports, and there isn't any. So to be able to kind of evolve, um, you know, obviously that's that's one thing to kind of play some of the older games. I've I've seen some simulations as something that has been talked about, and and then even just esports being something that pops up not necessarily for the tournament but but for other you know sports leagues to just simulate some of the games that might have been happening um it'll be interesting to see how it continues to evolve um and even just you know i'll get into some of this later but with just the money that's 
invested in this type of thing and yeah. and the networks and all of that i mean how that gets shifted around and you know do do the networks get paid back their money that they paid to you know get the tournament and all that i mean it'll be really interesting to, to monitor and also i mean with any of this stuff this is the first time we went through anything like this so to you know to note this for the next time something like this happens there'll be you better believe every contract, every little thing is going to be, you know, calling out things like this in the future. So it'll be interesting to, uh, how it evolves. Yeah. And one thing I noticed from being overseas, too, is that a lot of their channels do replay a lot of stuff, or at least I think they were replays. It was really hard to tell if they were live or not. Sure. But a lot of their channels are replaying games rather than having the programming that we have on kind of our secondary show or secondary channels like a espn2 or or fox sport uh you know fs1 or fs2 those type of of channels are in at least in new zealand and australia seem to be playing replays of you know cricket matches or soccer matches or or things that had already rugby matches that had already taken place so yeah. it, it was kind of interesting to to see that because they were already doing that even before some of these leagues were starting to cancel so uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting yeah no for sure well yeah so on on my news um really short and brief but i thought it was interesting every year you see this type of thing but this year is especially different with a lot of people trying to figure out what they're going to do with their time and where they want to address their attention. And I think um, I thought it was kind of a cool little thing that the San Diego uh, Tribune was doing was they were taking, you know, they were looking at movies, but looking in the sports realm and then deciding to do kind of a live poll of all of these movies and have a bracket themselves. Oh, yeah. So this isn't like crazy new to like every year. You always see this type of thing, but they always fall to the background because yeah. it doesn't really matter. Right. This year, I actually feel like they're relevant. Yeah. So they this this so the Tribune actually um, so they had four different brackets. They had baseball, football, combat, and other. And I thought it was kind of interesting how they did some of the seeding. For baseball, they had Bull Durham as the one seed and the natural as the two. For football, they had Rudy as one, Jerry Maguire as two. Uh, the other sports, they had Hoosiers and then Caddyshack. And then uh, for combat sports, they had Raging Bull and uh, Rocky as the one, two in that uh, round. So they're going to be updating this. Uh, I think once a week. So, they have, so was uh, it just 16? Is that what that uh, was? So or, or, there is a total of 30, or sorry, 64. Oh, wow. They yeah, Okay, 64. so you just listed the, the top two. The, the one, two seeds of every, um, every what is that, division, I guess? Yeah. Um, and then they're going to go through every round. So they have, you know, second round, Sweet 16, eight, Elite 8, Final wow. 4, and then to the championship. So interesting like i it was kind of cool looking through and and you get you can vote on all of them throughout and and you can see some of the running results too to see kind of who's going to move on and one of the ones that i was actually really interested to see hoosiers is the one seed in the other sports and it goes up against happy gilmore as the number 16 seed i was like that i mean right now hoosiers is winning but 
like I I like Happy Gilmore, yeah. and I know Hooters oh. is a classic, but yeah, you are an Adam Sandler guy, though. I I know, I know, but but and I I think Hoosiers should win. Yeah, but like that's a that's a pretty strong 16 seed. To yeah, go into. yeah, so, that that is yeah yeah, and it it would be interesting because you know the other thing I was thinking about is all of these like other polls and and things like that that are going on you should do something like a bracket challenge and like have somebody fill out the and see if somebody can fill out the perfect bracket because i think even doing that may be difficult oh yeah for sure like filling out a perfect 64 right 64 games is what that ends up being um it i think would be extremely difficult because you know, when you get down to, if you're saying that that was the 116, well, you know, the 18 or 9 is going to be even harder. And, and you know, so yeah. actually picking that whole way through and, and having a perfect bracket might be, I don't think it's going to be as difficult as the NCAA tournament, but sure. it's still going to be darn difficult well, to do. Oh, yeah, for sure. And And with how... I think the crazy thing is with how like people view tournaments like this, um, they're ready to just like they're itching to bet on it and 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 showcase that they're they know more than the next person. Yeah. And so I'm I would I'm surprised that they that Vegas and maybe they have, but I'm surprised Vegas hasn't done stuff like this to for people to fill that gap. Yeah. It's kind of I'm kind of I kind of want them to invent it just just so I can. Uh, see how people react to it yeah but but yeah so that was my news i thought it was interesting if you want to follow along it's the san diego union tribune and it's called march movie madness bracket all right well let's uh let's drop some knowledge as we normally do i am the history guy and justin is the stats guy and today although we've changed some other things up this will not change history is going to go first so (laughs) The NCAA Division I Basketball National Championship, also known as March Madness, was created in 1939 by the National Association of Basketball Coaches. It was actually the idea of Ohio State coach Harold Olson, and it started with eight teams at that time. Do you know who the original first national champion was, Justin? What school? I'm going to go with Indiana. Nope. I have no idea. The Oregon Ducks. No way. Yep. They beat Ohio State 46 to 33 in the national title game that year. Wow. Yeah. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. I didn't realize they were, you know, I would never, I, I view them as a modern school. I know they've been around for a while, but. I would never put them in an original of anything. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if our mutual friend who doesn't listen to the podcast but went to Oregon <laughs> actually knows that fact. Because I feel like that would be a fact that would always come up from him. Yeah, I feel like it would. Maybe he doesn't know. Yeah. But March Madness, the term, was actually a, a reference to basketball by an Illinois high school official named Henry P- Potter. And he used it as the Illinois State Boys Basketball Championship uh, term because that was that was being played in March. So that didn't actually get tied to the NCAA tournament for decades. And, and it'll come back around when it actually gets tied in. 
but you know it was around the 40s that this actually this term came about and was tied to basketball and and you'll see later that when it actually gets tied to the NCAA tournament but the NIT tournament actually predates the NCAA tournament and in 1943 through 1945, the winners of those two pr- respective tournaments actually would face off against each other, and that would actually determine who the ultimate national champion was. And teams were actually permitted to participate in both tournaments. So City College of New York actually won both titles in, in the 1950 season, which I thought, oh, I thought was interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so in 1947, uh, this is when the tradition of cutting down the nets began, and it was when Everett Case, the coach of North Carolina State, he actually stood on the shoulders of his players uh, after his team won the Southern Conference Championship or Southern Conference Tournament, and that's when you know the idea of cutting down the nets after winning your either conference tournament or the national championship kind of evolved and started. Uh, in 1951, the tournament finally expanded to 16 teams. So basically for the first, you know, 12 years, it was only at eight. And it would continue to expand over the next few decades with various bracket formations. So, you know, they, they had at one point 22 teams in there with 10 teams getting a bye, 25 teams with seven teams getting a bye, and so it's just kind of this weird combination of number of teams and teams getting buys and, you know, this, this idea of a, a bracket play. And, and it was really uneven. So, And then it was in, in 1952 that the idea of the Final Four actually began. So prior to this, the East and the West regions were actually hold, held at different places. And then the national title game was was held in a central location. So it wasn't like we have today where we have, you know, the winners of each uh, division coming together and playing, you know, in one site and playing the semifinals and the finals together. They were playing them. The semifinals were played on separate sites and you would win kind of the east or the west and then you would come and play the title game. Okay, interesting. Also in 1952, that was the first time that the tournament was actually broadcast and it was carried by NBC. But obviously... Unlike today, where basically almost every game is actually broadcast, there was very few games that were actually broadcast. In okay. uh, 1971, the Final Four was actually played in a dome stadium for the first time. And, you know, we've talked about this stadium before in, in our AstroTurf uh, podcast, but it was actually the Astrodome that was the first oh. domed stadium to host the, uh, the Final Four. So what was it before that then? Was it, it just arenas? Yep, all arenas before that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1975, the tournament finally expanded to 32 teams, and the idea of at-large bids were created. And up until this point, only one team per conference could actually make it into the tournament. So prior to this, the NIT was actually deemed almost a as prestigious of a, a tournament to win as the NCAA tournament tournament was because there was multiple instances where you'd have highly ranked teams that wouldn't make the NCAA tournament because they didn't win their conference. So a couple notable ones was like South Carolina in 1970. They went 14 and 0 in the regular season and then they lost in their their uh, conference tournament. They didn't make it. 
USC <laughs> in uh, was ranked number two in, in the national polls in 1971, and they missed out on the tournament. Maryland was ranked number three in 1974, and they lost in the ACAC tournament to the eventual national champion, NC State. Well, they didn't even get an invite to the tournament because at that point they were not allowing at-large bids. You had to win your conference. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, initially my thought was, well, that's fine. Like, you should let the champion in. But then it's like, if you have a great team and you just lost one game, yeah, that just seems like you're cut short. You're you're basically starting the tournament in the conference tournaments. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and you even in in 1970 you actually saw an eighth ranked Marquette. They declined an NCAA tournament invite because the coach at the time, Al McGuire, didn't like how they were seated uh, and they're placed in in the region by the NCAA tournament. So they went and played the NIT. What? Yeah. Because it was at that point it was about the same. It was deemed you know on par. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, different times. Yeah. In, in 1978, this was the first time the idea of seedings were actually used in terms of, of you know, rankings of teams. And, and it wasn't really just a, a regional type of, of placement. So you might put um, someone into a different region based off of, you know, them being a better team than someone else in that region or whatnot. We move forward to 1981. Uh, this was the final year of the consolation game. So before this, they were actually playing a third and fourth place game. So you had to play a game as a, as one of the losers of that first semifinal. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then we come to 1982, and you know I talked about the word the word March Madness. Well, that's when this was introduced to the tournament as a whole. So 82 was the first year that CBS televised the tournament. So it had been NBC up until this point. And broadcaster Brent Musburger, who was a sports writer in Chicago, he had heard the term March Madness because of his covering of Illinois high school basketball. And so he brought that term to the broadcasts with CBS in 82. And so that's really where this whole idea of March Madness began. Musburger did that? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So obviously, I guess I never thought about where that that would come from. He didn't invent but... it because you know we talked about the the Henry Porter was the first one to use it in in the Illinois high school basketball championship. But sure. in terms of you know tying it to the the NCAA tournament, that's when it started. But yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, sure. It, it, he it's not his idea, but but to bring it to this tournament, it it brought you know a little bit extra attention to it and now it's it's kind of got a its legs of its own and partly because of him and what he brought to it so that that's pretty cool yeah and and so a couple uh, an interesting fact that i found was that playing games you know aren't actually that this new thing i i'd kind of thought that they were this new thing that had started just you know i don't know 10 10 or 15 years ago and you know, you get the right to play into the tournament and play into the first round. But actually in 1983, the tournament was structured with 52 teams. 16 of those teams got buys. And then four actually uh, would do a play-in game to to get into the first round. 
and so kind of this whole structure of these weird amounts of teams would finally come to an end in 1985 when we settled on uh, 64 teams. And so then that's kind of where we've been around for the last few years, you know, all the way until 2001 when we saw the expansion to 65 teams in the first play-in game. And then more recently, we've we've got some more play-in games as of 2011. We end up with four play-in games. But, um, you know, really ni- 1985 was when we, we settled on that, that kind of more traditional format that we see now. Okay. The uh, 1987 One Shining Moment, written by David Barrett and per- performed by Luther Vandross, uh, was the first time that this was performed and, and closed out the tournament by CBS. And this song was actually originally uh, written as an ode to basketball and was scheduled to run after the uh, Super Bowl 21. But the game ran long, and the song and, and the uh, the commercial that was originally scheduled never actually aired, and so they decided to play it following the NCAA tournament because that was the next major oh. sporting event. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to hear it in my head. I know it's a thing, but it's been at least a year since I've heard it, so <laughs> I can't remember that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'll be honest. I it's cool to look back, but I I don't necessarily stick around after the national championship to watch it. So, yeah. In 1997, the NCAA actually started requiring that the Final Four take place in dome stadiums uh, that had a minimum capacity of 40,000. So up until that point, you know, we saw it introduced at the Astrodome, but they were kind of going back and forth. And then it was only recently that uh, they required it to be in a dome stadium. And we we talked about the the 2001 being the the expansion to 65 teams. The reason actually this happened was because the Mountain West Conference was created. And this happened in 1999. But because of the structure and the bidding and everything, they didn't, the Mountain West Conference actually didn't get a bid, an automatic bid for the first two years of its existence until they expanded out to 65 teams. Um, and making a wow. play-in game because they didn't want to take a large bid away and they didn't want to they obviously can't take away you know an automatic bid from another conference so at that point the the teams who played in that game were deemed the 65th and 64th uh, best or worst in the field and and so they always had to play the number one seed that's since changed in 2011 uh, when they at, went to four playing games, they uh, it's not automatically the bottom f- four teams in the tournament. It's basically the last four, or excuse me, the last eight. Traditionally, the last eight automatic, or not, uh, excuse me, not automatic, but the at-large game. So you might end up with, you know, like a, a play-in for a 10 seed or 11 seed or 12 seed. They still do sometimes they do the play in for the 16 but they try not to as much as possible interesting yeah okay uh and then in in 2004 the ncaa began releasing overall seeding numbers and they made it known who the number one overall seed was and once this started 
they actually started to determine, you know, how the semifinals matchups might shake out if the number one seed, uh, the one, two, and three and four were all to make it to the the you know semifinal games. Before that, it was actually just a rotational schedule of the East would play the West, and then the the South would play whatever the the North, and they would just kind of rotate it. So then the North would play east the next year and right. and rotate rather than how we know it now of okay the one seed if if they make it they're going to play the four seed you know the fourth number one seed if the two and the three they're going to play so it, yeah. it it was kind of interesting to know that up until that point it was really just kind of chance as to who that final four team you might end up in and play so yeah yeah right. and, and that's that's brings us to kind of today's 68 teams and you know how we we view the uh national tournament for the last 10 nine or 10 years all right not bad well i'll jump into stats as per usual and this is an interesting one just in that you know we we've talked about in the past we're not a sports podcast this is obviously a sports topic but but I, I did want to go over some sports numbers as we get into the stats, but really breeze through them and get to some of the interesting, more cultural impacts of this. But to, to kind of start, I wanted to go over some records that I thought were kind of interesting um, or at least noteworthy for as we talk about March Madness. So uh, the NCAA championship games wins and appearances record as actually UCLA which as someone who has watched the tournament for most of my life, uh, I would be like, Oh really? They're, they're not that good, yeah. but they were dominant. They were dominant. The sixties yeah. and seventies. Yeah. John Wooden. Um, yes, exactly. So they had 12 appearances and they had 11 wins in the, in the championship. Uh, and they also hold the record for the uh, most consecutive uh, final four appearances with 10 which is just awesome. Uh, the most NCAA tournament appearances in general is by Kentucky. They have 57 times, which is pretty cool. Because what was it, 30, 38? Is that what you said it started? Is that? 39, what, yeah. yeah. 39? 1939, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's most years in between then. And uh, from a coach's perspective, the most tournament wins is Coach K, uh, Mike Schick. Tri- oh man, I can't come on, Krzyzewski. come on, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, with Duke, and he had 94, he has 94, and the most championships, as you mentioned, was John Wooden with 10, uh, with UCLA. Uh, one of them came from somebody else, uh, at, at UCLA. Uh, quick hitters on some players, the most points in the game was Austin Carr in 1970 with 61. Most rebounds was 34, which is insane, in 1956 uh, with Fred Cohen. Most assists was 18 by Mark Wade in 87. And then most block shots in a game was uh, Shaquille O'Neal with 11 huh. uh, in 92. That's that's literally the only name I know. I was, I was just about set. to say the same thing. I didn't know any of those other people. Um, I, I'm curious... I mean, if you're getting like the Fred Cohen guy in particular, 
like 34 rebounds, you must have been either against a team that was super short and you were just a giant. But that's just that's the most shocking number of all of these. Although 11 blocks in a game is pretty legit. A couple quick game notes: uh, the most combined points is uh, 264 by Loyola Marymount and Michigan in 1990. And uh, in that game, Loyola scored 149 points, uh, which is just, in in college basketball, that's just wild. Um, And I was curious to find out that the highest rated game ever was the national championship game of Michigan State and Indiana State in 1979 with a rating of 24.1 do you know why that might have been brian wasn't that wasn't that larry bird versus uh uh, magic johnson you are correct yeah Yeah, so that was that was kind of the beginning of their rivalry uh and just uh, so many people watched that that game and you know you see highlights of it every once in a while uh and surely that surely that historic matchup is something that a lot of people talk about. So Indiana State won that game, uh, or sorry, they they didn't win that game. They entered undefeated, and Michigan State ended up winning the game. But those are some like quick hitters on the 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 actual like game piece. But what I really wanted to hone in on is the fan aspect of this. So thirteen point three billion dollars is the corporate losses due to the unproductive workers during March Madness. Wow. Yeah. Uh, It says that six hours are spent watching uh, by the average worker. And 56%, this was a funny one, 56% of millennials are willing to miss work deadlines to watch the game. That's probably not good. So so six hours over the tournament? Because really, you're only talking about four days. Yes, right. So because it's it's uh, Thursday, Friday of the first weekend. Thursday, Friday of the second weekend. There's a f- still a few games, but then the the last weekend they're they're not on the week like they're not Thursday, Friday, and right. So it's really those those first two weekends, and you only have four work days, and you're 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 saying that. Basically, I guess that's not that much. Yeah. Like an hour. I think think a lot of people have it on, like, and in the office, on their computers, on their phone. I mean, CBS typically offers a couple hours free every year. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to watch games while you're at work, but hopefully it's mostly in the background. And like, that's at least what I will do is, you know, a TV might have it on and, I'll check in a couple times, but you know, it's very easily pulls people away yeah. because so many people play the game uh, or, or fill out a bracket, but it's interesting. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that jumped out to me uh, just initially with that in particular, you know, so much lost money in general. And I don't know what that equates to per business or per some of the businesses, but, but if you look at that and there isn't that right now, and certainly we're in a time when, businesses are getting hit pretty drastically corporations are getting hit pretty drastically i'm curious if if there is any type of leveling out in in productivity or you know some other you know revenue generator pieces 
just because it isn't happening but then it levels out with everything going on with quarantines and yeah and people working from working home out. yeah so huh. so i thought that was interesting but a couple other notes uh so 8.5 billion dollars is the amount wagered on the 2019 uh ncaa men's basketball tournament and about 3.9 billion is estimated illegally so that's that's a pretty hefty uh, 12.5-ish, 12.4 yeah. billion dollars. 47 million people participate in polls, and 38% said they weren't sure if it was illegal um, or legal or not, which I thought also was interesting. Um, it's always something that uh, policies that work are always interesting, whether you can or you can't do it. And and you know I you know a lot of the small pools i think are pretty harmless but some people spend a lot of money on on these pools and i i've heard of people spending a thousand dollars on a pool and that's crazy to me yeah Um, i mean you win a lot sure if you get it but uh it just seems wild but 25 percent. this this was interesting too um though not surprising 25 percent more is wagered on march madness than on the super bowl yeah, and yeah, I'm uh, not surprised because there's a lot of games. Yeah, exactly, and I think there are more people that there's more uh, a betting tie and precedent to March Madness than there is to the Super Bowl. Certainly, people do you know a, a blind a block pool or something small for Super Bowls, but it's usually pretty low. And then there's obviously you have Vegas, which will will take bets in, but. Um, but I, I think it's just much bigger with March Madness. It's interesting because um, it, it is like this this student athlete, you know, not getting paid, and and yet there is such this big business behind it, and and all this money that's exchanging hands. But th- these yeah. athletes are are student athletes, and and that's um, kind of always an interesting discussion that we don't have to go into, but I know. Um, we don't have enough time to yeah. talk about that, but, yeah. but it is interesting with how much money gets pulled in uh, and how little to no none, you know, aside from scholarships that the players actually get to pull in per their participation. But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. A lot of people are into it, but yeah. So if you actually, and a lot, this has been, you know, talked about in the past, but if you are, uh, trying to get that perfect bracket, you have a one in nine point two quintillion, which is a number I've I don't think ever used chance of getting that perfect bracket. And it is said that if you buy one ticket to two straight lotteries, you have a higher chance of winning both of those lotteries than having a perfect bracket. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, you look at the lottery and people are like, yeah, you'll never win that. But yet people try to get the perfect bracket every single time, yeah. every year. And obviously there's skill involved, but it's still so much luck. And there's so many choices to be made that it's 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 almost impossible. Yeah, for sure. And then the other two like quick hitter facts I had was that... So the $106 million was the... Final Four's projected economic impact on the host city of Atlanta uh, this year, and they expected 113,000 fans to visit uh, for the event. So that obviously is a big hit on Atlanta's economy. I'm curious how 
they, you know, how they anticipated that and how they evolve. Yeah. Wow. Is one thing. Uh, and then I thought there's so there was a couple of these numbers from a food and beverage standpoint, but I thought the one that was interesting was 23% was the increase in chicken wings order during <laughs> tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with 2.3 huh. billion wing portions consumed by fans during the tournament, that's about 14 wing portions per viewer, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, there's that's one thing again, you know, with it not happening. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of business that, businesses, especially in the in the restaurant, that are already taking hits, and now they're not even getting takeout orders to watch the games. Um, so hopefully, you know, there's there there are remedies for all of that. But uh, it, it is a there's so much impact that this thing has on our our economy and our society and culture. It's just it's a big deal. Yeah, I I uh, I've eaten a few wings wings or two uh before you know watching games so uh yeah, i not? i have to admit that you know i've i've been part of that so i guess we should uh uh do some friendship test yeah let's do it we just become best friends yep so justin i realized that in all of this hubbub uh we forgot because we basically buried the lead yes and I, I think we can kind of remedy this with with our friendship tests, but uh, yeah. uh, do you fill out a bracket normally? Yes. So in short, I do, and I usually do one or two brackets. You know, I'll, I'll usually join a, uh, a a group of friends, and then uh, I try to do like a small office pool. But I, I I enjoy I enjoy the challenge of a bracket for yeah. sure. Yeah. How about you? Uh, so I've I've started to like really for a long time probably the last I don't know ten or fifteen years I've only filled out one and I do it just for my family uh, bracket and and you know no money is exchanging hands or anything like that it's it's simply for bragging rights there is now a yeah. trophy that uh, that has been made uh, wow. by by one of uh, the cousins or, or cousin in laws so it's it's a pretty prestigious trophy in in my family um it's currently at my aunt sue's house right now um and it's deemed that that's going to stay there because of no bracket this year so nice yeah i mean i that's pretty awesome my family did weirdly enough like we'll play and um you know i've i've joined through uh, my wife Alyssa, and her family does some with some of their coworkers, and they can get a pretty big pool working but but yeah, I've I've played for a number of years, but it's never been like with my intermediate family a huge thing. Though every once in a while we'll do like a small one. So, uh, but yeah, I've probably been playing for similar amount of time, 10, 15 years, um, since I've been wise enough to make smart decisions in picking teams. It, it's uh, it's been one of those things where you know I think the evolution of the internet also helped a lot. And, and having sure. it online um, so you didn't have to physically fill out the forms I think yep. you know helps a, a lot of just all generations able to do it but you know there is a lot of banter I think there's uh, like 18 or 20 uh, people on, on our pool in our pa- family pool and it is it's kind of crazy the banter that goes back and forth the amount of analytics that people will pull in 
and try mm-hmm. to analyze, you know, all of these things and, and try to break it down. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you never know who's going to win it. So, yeah. No, no. Do you watch college basketball during the season? You know, I do. I, I honestly, I prefer college basketball over NBA basketball. So okay. I probably, you know, if, if I, if it's on uh, and I come home and, and I'm not interested in watching whatever shows might be on, I'm probably turning on whatever college basketball is going on because uh, it's pretty consistent throughout the week, uh, sure. the way they break up you know the, the various games. Now, I'm not like scouting for who's going to be the, the you know, eventual NCAA champion or anything like that. I'll tune in a lot more towards the, the national cha- or the, the conference champions. Uh, and championships than I will and pay more attention for my bracket than I will for, you know, just a, a normal run-of-the-mill game, you know, unless it's, you know, Duke, North, North Carolina or anything like that. But how about yeah. you? I, I am uh, kind of the opposite. Um, so I, yeah, I, I you, might have mentioned this. Yeah, because you, you didn't even go to f- football games at Penn State. Well, yeah, and basketball isn't a thing. Yeah, I mean it is, but it's their Penn State stinks at basketball. We have other sports that we're good at, but regardless of that, uh, I've just in general like sports. I, I love sports, but I'm very heavily leaning uh, lean towards the NFL, and I've never been a college sports fan. So I actually I don't I could probably tell you I've watched maybe ten minutes of college basketball this entire year and that was only because I was at a bar and it was on and I watched it yeah but but every single year I look forward to March Madness I I will watch the games I will get into it uh, because I have a vested interest by filling out my bracket and um, so I I I and I will not yeah, I just won't tune into it, but I I love the just picking it up and and trying to to figure out all that stuff. So yeah, but but a little bit different than than your your watching of it. Yeah, how do you pick your bracket? Do you do you show any favoritism to any team, or do you have any theories behind how you pick it? Yeah, I mean, I for me, I I'm a I'm a big research stat guy. Um, as it probably comes out in my you know how I talk about things but but for me I will spend probably way too much time but but hours of my life and uh, just researching and every year it doesn't work but I will still spend the time and I will look at matchups and I will learn about players and I will learn about their stats and how they match up against other people and history about different matchups and everything that I can pull I spend way too much time on it and uh, it never seemed to work anyway. But I will say that, you know, in terms of favoritism, for whatever reason, my brother, when he was a little bit younger, or at least, you know, in his maybe teenage years, he started to follow North Carolina. And maybe because they were really good at the time or what, but, but I actually, because of him, I have an you know a light affiliation to North Carolina and so I'll root for them in in tournaments and if I'm ever in a tough decision I usually kind of let my heart kind of hmm. guide guide them over a win yeah. um okay but yeah that's that's kind of my background what about you yeah so 
You know, the biggest thing that I factor in is I try to look at the locations of the games. I I try to figure out where they're being played and who the team that is closer and ha- and might draw more fans is. And, and if I'm ever in a kind of coin flip situation, I'm going to pick the team that is closer and might have more fans to, to carry them to the victory. So that's kind huh. of my my big – I don't really – you know, go into too many stats other than that. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of favoritism, I would say that I probably favor, especially in the bracket with all my family, because a lot of my family is either in the Midwest or the East Coast. So they don't know about too many of the teams on the West Coast. So it's pretty easy to pick the upsets if they're going to be West Coast teams, because everybody on on the family is not going to know who those teams are so it's pretty easy to get uh some extra points if if you know a uh say a utah or some some other kind of nevada who is a, a small school that might pull an upset um over over one of those big east coast schools that that uh they all just don't even they kind of gloss over so yeah, that that's kind of my only uh, only favoritism, and I have I will say I have won my family's bracket. I believe I, I only won it once, and then I came in second. I think back to back years, I had a pretty good run right when we first started the thing. Um, I think it, maybe it was a, a first and a second and a third the first three years, wow. um, and then ever since then it's been downhill. But uh, finishing yeah. middle of the pack and stuff like that. Always always kind of in contention because the thing is you have to go into the semifinals and the championships with a chance. And if you could yeah. go in with a chance that last weekend and, you know, the right – your team, your eventual champion wins it all, then you win it all. But if you're not the top team in your pool with the specific winner – um, like if you picked Kansas or whatever and, and somebody's got more points than you going into the last weekend with Kansas winning it all, then it's kind of always a downer that last weekend. But if you can still yeah. have something vested in it, man, it's fun. Fun that last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I've 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 won one tournament I've done and it was with seven other people and they're my friends who don't know anything about college basketball. And I don't know anything. <laughs> so you they- know, I'll still take the win. Uh but I every league I even put together leagues and I'll get, you know, 40 people in and, and, you know, it's a lot of fun and I never win. I'm like bottom 25% every year. And it, you know, there's people that win that literally just guess. And there's people that win that watch college basketball all the time. But it, you know, pick pick the based off color and picked off based off school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so like for me, I take kind of a middle ground where I don't watch anything, but I, I do put a little bit of time and research into it. Cause I want, I also, I think part of the fun of it is doing the research to become vested in certain teams. Yeah. Um, or I'll find a player. Like I, I remember, uh, man, now I'm blanking on his name. He was, uh, Blake, Blake, uh, Step. He, was the, he was, a he was a center and he oh. played for the Clippers. Oh, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, yes. Oklahoma. Blake Griffin. I remember when he was in a tournament, and I didn't know any. I had never heard of his name. And he was a really good player, and found that out through my research. I was like, oh, I really like him, and I, I 
pushed I had him going far. I don't think he made it far no, no, um, at all. But I found myself vested in his games in particular. Yeah. And then I had kind of a rooting interest even when he went into the NBA because I knew who he was. So I that's what I really love about it. And even though I stink at, at playing it, um, I just I, I love tying myself to a certain player or team. Yeah. So in terms of the tournament itself, do you think the 68 teams that we have right now, do you think that's the right number? I think that's always a debate is whether yeah. they, they are at the right number. Should they expand it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's hard to say. As someone who doesn't watch a ton during the season, I don't know what's fair or not. I think the one thing I would say, well, one, I'd say initially probably it's fine. I don't think, you know, I think if anything, other college leagues should learn from this bracket. I think they've done it well. Uh, I hope that the, you know, college football starts to evolve personally. I think that they should evolve into a little bit more of a bracket of a more deep or deeper bracket. But so I wouldn't say necessarily change that. I think the one thing that I do get baffled with within the 68 is how a, I don't, I think, what is it? The eight or nine seed sometimes how there's playing these playing games yeah. that are to win a eight or a nine seed and not like a 16 seed. I mean, they have the 16 seed plans. Well, but because those are deemed to be the last four teams, they're supposed to be the last four teams into the tournament. And so, as an at large bid, you're going to be a higher seed than, say, you know, a uh, SF Austin or, or some of those small schools, uh, Murray State, you know, th- those type of places that are, you know, little schools compared to maybe somebody who's a Arizona state who might be the the last of the the committee's selection. So that's why you're playing in for one of those higher seeds. Yeah, I I understand that. I just I don't know. Like if you're playing in for a 5 seed, there's a good chance No, 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 it can't be that high. It, it's or, it's well, 10 11 it's either the 10 11 uh or 12 or the 16s. Okay, so let's say it's a 10 seed. If you're good enough to be the 10 seed and you lose that game, you are now not in the tournament or you're not in the, you know, 64. Yeah. And to me, that feels like maybe that 14 seed shouldn't have made it in or that... But, but they were probably a, a automatic bid. Yes, I understand that. And that's where I, I, I do know there's more complexity to it. It's just tough to see like people fighting over higher seeds and then not making it into a tournament if they're good enough to if they're a better team than other teams. Mm. But I guess the automatic bid kind of trumps it, but I don't know. It just always is weird to me. As someone as, as an outside fan, it always was odd to me. Yeah, I don't know. I I I uh I guess in like a pure statistics it it kind of you know, makes sense, but it's also like you were somebody who may not have even made the tournament. So, you know, and, and based off of seedings and everything, they feel like this is where you should be at. I don't know. Yeah. There've always been a few teams that have gotten out of that first weekend and made it to this week's 16. I think, you know, it's pretty common for one team, at least one team to make it through that, you know, play in round or, or they now call it the first round and make it to the sweet 16. 
and you know so it it does kind of prove itself from time to time yeah well what's your what's your favorite day um or of the tournament what what would you what do you enjoy the most yeah i love those first two days those first thursday fridays uh with just games galore and like it's you know wall to wall every game every station possible going on and and you know you could have upset going on the left and and on the right and you know a blowout going in the middle and you know it's almost four games constantly going and so that's pretty exciting I, I it's hard to beat those two days because I, I just don't think the national championship day or even the semifinals can ever really you know match up to those days just because it's like you never know what you're gonna get and and right. uh, the ball just bounces in weird ways even though it's a it's a you know a cylindrical ball or a, I guess it's going into it's a, a round ball going into a cylindrical hoop but uh, it's just so crazy those first two days I don't, it's hard to beat yeah no I I agree um, I, I I couldn't agree more I think part of it too is that there's two things that come to mind one it's that everybody's still in it right everybody filled out a bracket and everybody feels like I got a chance to win uh, once you get into those later rounds it's like well my bracket shot I lost yeah. my champ I lost this guy whatever so there's definitely some some pull for that and the other pieces like you said there's so many games on and with our you know lack of attention or whatever it, it may be there's so many games on that you don't have to focus on that blowout game you can shift to that game that's really close and you still have you know some type of tie to that game because you picked a winner for it yeah true and, and so like you ca- almost it's like a 25 percent chance that well i don't know what the chances are but if there's four games on at once there's a good chance that one of those four games is going to be close and so they you can switch to that and and follow that game along and and cbs does a good job of covering all these things but but yeah so i i I could not agree more. I think the first two days are spectacular. And then the, the third thing I'd say is most, almost always those days are at work and there's something special about being with a large group of people who are all vested in something. Yeah. And like for, for, you know, being at work and be able to do something like that. I think that's, that's always special rather than like the weekends. I mean, even for me come, come Saturday and Sunday games, I'm finding myself watching them less because I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Alyssa might not play or if she does, she doesn't care that much. So then am I going to go, maybe I'll go over a friend's house, but otherwise I'm probably not that vested in it. Whereas come work time, I'm much more vested (laughs) because everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, real quick, uh, one last friendship test. Because uh, I know this question always comes up too. Would you rather be the first team to lose in the NCAA tournament, or be the champion of the NIT? Yeah, it's just tough. I I think my gut says be the champion of the NIT. Yeah, uh, I think to call yourself a champion is one thing, and yep. and you know if if you're the first to lose you're just quickly forgotten unless you're a big team that lost and even then it's extra heartbreaking 
So I, I think I'd have to go with the the, the NAT win. Yeah, same, I'm going to go same because and, – and my reason is a little bit different, but just the sheer – you know, because practice time is so valuable to these schools, these student-athletes, you're just uh, continuing your season and thus continuing practice time. And so just even building off of that until next year, the the more practice time and the more games and reps that you can get – it just bodes better for, uh, you know, your upcoming season. So you've seen it, you know, in a handful of times where the NIT champions next year gone on and, and you know, made a decent run in the NCAA tournament because they ha- have played games and meaningful games rather than just kind of a one-and-done type of situation. So um, yeah. I, I think we're going to have to agree on that. Uh, but we've uh we've talked for a long time and um you know maybe it's it's the virus but uh, i think we're delusionally thinking (laughs) you really are crazy all right justin so this week for our delusional thinking uh we're talking live sports because we don't have any live sports going on right now so would you rather find out the result of a live sporting event every time before you start watching that sporting event or the only way you have access to a live sporting event is through the radio or some audio uh listening yeah all right well i'd like to start off by uh saying something i probably said before but you are like the king of creating terrible situations (laughs) because this is such an awful choice yeah yeah i think we need uh, at some point we will need to decide on some like two really great options well you know you can you can write the delusional thinking you're right i can i can i leaned on you for this one and it's a good one because it's a tough decision to kind of talk it out knowing the result of a live sporting event is terrible yeah at it it's almost like, what's the point? Right. If you know. Right. Um, but but you could other, also you could also know uh, that it goes to overtime. You could also know it's an exciting game. True. That that is very true. But if, but if you know the result, it's it's a little bit of a hindrance, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> um, and on the flip side, radio as someone who lives in this century and and you know is you know radio obviously is relevant and i will listen to the radio um and live sporting events from time to time but i am a visual person especially for sports and i'm not a fan unless it's a dire situation of listening to sports on radio um so that really takes away a lot of the fun of sports that said it is terrible to know the results of games before. It just takes away. It's the whole point of watching a game. If you know the ending, and sure, it may be close, but if if you know, like, I know, I, I actually am, am somebody who I, lo- I, love, I love sports and I love the NFL, but I'm not someone who is quick to turn on an, a game that has already been on before. Like, that like watching historic games is not really for me at least not a big like interest of mine mainly because i know what's going to happen and if i don't know what's going to happen 
then and maybe it happened before but i'm i'm choosing to go into that experience not knowing what happens and or or hypothetically maybe i know like a game that played in the 70s maybe i know that this team won but i don't know how it happened or why it's a big deal then i'm invested but what's how is that any different than than watching something that had just happened if you don't know how it happened if you don't know if it just if, happened if i tell you that it's a historic game it's it's this amazing game and you have to watch it but you know that x team wins it over y team you're you're okay to watch it if it was from the 70s but not from 2020 yeah <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why it just like i i will i will watch the highlights of it that's not a problem but i don't feel like i i just don't feel like it's worth my time at that point wow. and even even like an an older game i'm a little bit more flexible as i said but even an older game i don't think i'm going to spend three hours watching every single snap i'd like it to be you know pushed into a maybe a 30 minute you know, highlight-ish type thing um, to get the result of it, but I, I just, I it, it really, really affects. I don't know how some people will um, be in situations, whether it's through work or other, you know, ways where they're like, uh, even the Super Bowl, honestly, like people will go in those pools where it's like try to go the longest without knowing the result. Like that sounds terrible to to go into situations where. Like, I I would to know the result is to ruin it, and once you know the result, it's not worth the, my, my time. And so that's where I I would choose radio for me. So are you gonna um, are you gonna rewatch any of these games on CBS this weekend? Uh, no, I won't. No, not 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 in a minute of it. Not even a minute. Hmm. Okay. If they had a highlight of it, I might do it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, because just like I like. I like sports history. Yeah. I think there's excitement around that. And and I'm not saying like a, a you know, a two minute ESPN highlight of it. Like I would watch a thirty minute highlight of it. I just don't like I don't need to watch the first, you know, what is it, twenty minutes and a half for yeah. college basketball? Yeah. Twenty minutes. I don't need to watch that. Like what's the point of that? There's no excitement tied to a lot of that. The end of a game, sure. I might be interested in watching the last 20 minutes of a game because, one, I probably don't know what happened. And even if I know the result, there's some interest there. But it's mostly, like, meh to me because huh. I I would rather watch – this sounds silly, but I would rather watch a uh, an eSports live event than a rerun, re, wow. a rerun of a historic thing. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, you know, as much as I I was kind of playing devil's advocate, I'm I'm going to have to agree with you on okay. the fact that I would I would go with the radio and the audio. I actually really enjoy listening to things on the radio. I think there's a different element and and the way that broadcasters on radio paint the picture, I think is better yes. than they do it on you know the the television because you don't have to and, and you're not supposed to, um, right. but yeah, I, I I think it would be fairly easy to to listen to everything on radio and kind of make it up in your own imagination. Kind of almost go back to you know the 70s uh, and before when there was no television 
you know, as long as I could know the results as they were playing out. Now, I don't think I'm as as opposed to re-airs uh, of games as you are. Uh, I would still probably watch it, even knowing the results. Uh, I don't know that I would I would spend a whole lot of time on it, but if if I needed to, uh, I probably would watch it. Like I'll probably spend I, I bet I'll watch I don't know at least two of those games. Um, it's kind cool. of interesting the breakdowns because like I watched the Texas Tech and Virginia game from last year and, and the Villanova UNC game. So like those on Sunday, I probably will skip. But you know the the ninety two Duke Kentucky game. I think that's the the Christian Leitner game. Um, sure. And NC State. You know, I know that's the Dicky Dick or not the Dick, um, uh, the Jim Valvano uh, yeah. game. And so I might watch that one. You know, I, I I'll watch probably. I would say two of those throughout the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say too if there there's there are exceptions and the exceptions are is this game a memorable moment in my life? And if, if, you know, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, I'll probably watch that game again because I have memories tied to each of the moments that happened throughout that entire game. And so, you know, there are, there are certain exceptions that I'll have, but like for me to go back and, and watch some of that older stuff or, you know, to know again, know the result before it happens and, and not, be watching it live it, it's like i wasn't a part of that moment and it feels fake to me to be a part of it yeah. or try to be a part yeah. of it well um, we've talked for a long time we have yeah well we talked like more about sports than we have in any other podcast yeah well um, we had a lot to cover with with all the the happenings in the world going on too so yeah. Uh, yeah, it was okay. it, it's a extensive podcast and and we hope you made it to the end here Yes. Uh, almost an hour and 20 minutes later yes no for for sure but but thank you for for tuning in and also thank you for your flexibility to to you listeners out there i know this is the first time that we won't be dropping on that thursday um we're going to be a couple days uh delayed just because of some travel and and everything going on in the world but uh, but we appreciate you tuning in and um, if, if you've made it this far, please subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. You know where to find us. You're, you, you have us here. Uh, but make sure you, you click that bell or, or whatever it may be to subscribe. And then don't forget to follow us. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram um, at, at the Quest for 100 or Quest for 100 podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, send us some love. Tell, tell your friends, too, because uh, I know a lot of people have some extra time on their hands yeah. now throughout the United States, throughout the world. So tell your friends about the quest for 100. We are searching for 100 of, of something and we haven't, we haven't quite reached it yet. So, uh, we hope we can get there soon, but, uh, yeah. yeah until next time on the quest for 100. Yeah.